0: This podcast covers mature, intense, morbid, and sometimes just scary stuff. Listener discretion is advised. Necessity may be the mother of invention, but on rare occasions, death is the result. Welcome to 30 Morbid Minutes.
1: This is the podcast where we cover topics of a morbid, macabre, dark, and downright grisly nature. I'm Elise Willems. I'm Jessica Vasami. So many of us were following and waiting for updates regarding the Ocean Gate disaster that occurred on June 18th, which is also coincidentally Jessica's birthday. Sure is. The company's Titan Submersible, as we know, was sent to the ocean depths to view wreckage of the Titanic, when it imploded, killing all five occupants on board. Among them was Stockton Rush, the CEO of OceanGate, who was also piloting the sub. From childhood, Rush had an interest in both aquatic and outer space exploration. I can't even imagine having one interest in that. But as a kid, he was like, I want to go to the farthest depths and the farthest reaches. Wow. He started scuba diving at age 12 and was a licensed pilot by 18.
0: Yeah, he started his career as a flight test engineer, and while most of his professional career revolved around flight,
1: in the mid-2000s his interest turned to underwater tourism. It was in 2009 that he co-founded OceanGate. Then after realizing that there are only about 100 available and privately owned subs worldwide, He started designing and building his own so he could have a fleet of tourism submarines.
0: And we all, of course, saw what that led to. In the wake of the disaster, Rush's practices have come under scrutiny, specifically the cost-cutting and safety-skirting measures taken to design his submodels.
1: In an interview with vlogger Alan Estrada, Rush said, I'd like to be remembered as an innovator. I think it was General MacArthur who said, You're remembered for the rules you break, and I've broken some rules to make this. I think I've broken them with logic and good engineering behind me.
0: It's likely that the construction of the Ocean Gate sub could not withstand the immense pressure. Rush designed his subs with materials like carbon fiber and titanium, which are not traditionally used for submarine design.
1: Yeah, submarine hulls are usually made of steel, aluminum, and titanium. Rush joins the
0: morbid ranks of inventors who met their untimely end essentially by their own hand.
1: And today on the show, we're going to meet some of history's brilliant minds and go-getters who were killed by their own inventions. Mm, It's going to be a good one. It's a dark one, too. It is,
0: because it's like, I mean, even starting with the first story with Stockton Rush, it's, you know,
1: not fun. It definitely is very morbid. Because I think for the most part, a lot of people on this list were trying to innovate with things that would have moved humanity forward in a sense. Not all of them, but most of them. Mm -hmm. And so that makes it all the more tragic. Yeah. Our first goes all the way back to ancient Greece and the invention of the truly twisted torture device, the brazen bull. So someone that is not trying to move humanity forward. (laughs) Designed and proposed circa 550 BC by Perilus, a sculptor of Athens, and commissioned by Phalaris, the tyrant of Acragas, Sicily. The brazen bull is way up there on the torture device hierarchy for how dehumanizing and gruesome it is. It is a rough one. Mm,
0: Yeah. It was a giant bronze bull hollowed out inside with a door that the victim would be
1: inserted through. Then a fire would be lit under the bull to heat up the bronze so the person inside would essentially be roasted to death. It reminds me of our good, uh, Vladimir episode with his uh, cooking in the pot. He was all about that. I thought you were going to say it reminds you of how you and I roast each other to death.
0: Oh, well, that too. Vladimir popped in first, but you know. But to make matters more morbid, there was allegedly a series of acoustical tubes inside that would convert the victim's screams into what sounded like a bull bellowing.
1: Yeah, Perilous sounds like a pretty messed up dude for coming up with this. So debatably, his fate was kind of earned. When
0: Perilous showed his creation to Phalaris, Phalaris said, Okay, let's try it with you in it. Test out those acoustics, baby. Let's do it. I'd be down. I want to hear him do it.
1: Yeah, just to like uh, get in there and maybe make some shouts and Mm -hmm. we won't light it on fire Mm -hmm. or anything. Except once Perilous was inside, the legend goes that Phalaris had a fire lit below and the sculpture was tortured. After his pleas to be released were ignored, his scorched body was eventually taken and tossed down a cliffside. So he was like yeeted out of that bowl. (laughs) Yeet! Yep. (laughs) Contemporary
0: scholars question whether the brazen bull was actually real or an early method of propaganda and deterrence. Regardless, either way, it's very messed up.
1: Next up, let's talk about someone we've talked about on the podcast before, and that is Marie Curie, born 1867, the Polish-French physicist and chemist, who was the first woman to win a Nobel Prize and the first person to be awarded the honor twice. And her family is just loaded with Nobel Prizes. I think both of her kids got them too. Her husband, crazy. Good for them.
0: Curie most notably managed to isolate pure radium. After having discovered the element alongside her husband Pierre in 1898, she is
1: regarded as one of the foremost uh, chemists working in the field of radioactive substances. And although this was Curie's passion and livelihood, it would ultimately also lead to her death. On July 4th, 1934, she died from aplastic anemia caused by exposure to radium and polonium. Um, It probably didn't help that she was known to carry bottles of the stuff in her pockets. And also she worked a lot with x-rays, so that I'm sure was a problem too.
0: Her body was so radioactive that as a protective measure to prevent any further contact contamination, she was buried in a lead-lined coffin. It's like, I think I've said this many times on the podcast before, but it's like, I know that, yes, some of these people are obviously trying to further, like we were talking about in the beginning, like human uh, inventions and all of that. Some obviously not, not doing that, but I feel like, again, like, they had to
1: crawl so we could run and walk. Like someone yes. had to do it. A hundred percent. It's people essentially sacrificing themselves in the name of progress, right? I feel like that's what she was doing. Mm-hmm. More than a hundred years later, so many of her belongings are also still radioactive and they have to be handled with extra care. This is her clothes, her books, her furniture. If you go to France's Bibliothèque Nationale in Paris, her lab notebooks are in these lead lined boxes there. That's so eerie.
0: That's very eerie.
1: Like Curie, Alexander Bogdanov was also an intellectual who wanted to change the world through both revolution and science. He was a communist who then wasn't a communist, and he also dabbled in writing science fiction. And then in the 1920s, he got really into hematology, which is the study of blood and blood disorders. Bogdanov theorized that blood transfusions were the secret to a healthy extended life, possibly even immortality, he started giving himself a ton of transfusions. So weird. I hate this. I hate, I don't like I know. this type of stuff. I know. It's it's like a mad villain. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: um, yeah. He told his friends that his vision improved and that he had
1: stopped balding and he was on top of the world. He was like the like a queer eye makeover, <laughs> but with blood transfusions. <laughs> so it was great for him until 1928 when he took a blood transfusion from a student of his who had malaria and tuberculosis. And the student actually was fine after all this, but Bogdanov was not, and he died.
0: <sighs> well,
1: mm-hmm. hey, you tried. Yeah, but again, like you were saying, Jess, it's like a lesson in what not to do. Yeah, absolutely. So the the future generation can say, okay, this is not we need. Mm-hmm. We know that certain blood cannot mm-hmm. go to a certain person. We can roll that out. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Next up,
0: this one's more of a category: is inventors who died trying to fly?
1: Yes, there are a lot of people in this category, and it gives a certain Icarian connotation to it. For those not in the know, Icarus disobeyed
0: his father's warning and flew too close to the sun, causing his makeshift beeswax and feather wings to melt and him to fall into the ocean and drown. And so many
1: of these inventors who attempted to fly, they just, you know, didn't listen to reason and it resulted in these fatal failures, including Jean-Francois Pilatre de Rosé, who made the first manned free balloon flight.
0: Jean-Francois died attempting to cross the English Channel from France to England in a balloon designed of his own creation. Then the Rozier balloon, a hybrid balloon powered
1: by hydrogen and hot air. The balloon caught fire mid air, and Jean-Francois and the other occupants plummeted from 1,500 feet crashing and dying. Then there's late 19th century German inventor and engineer Otto Lilienthal, known as the Flying Man, who had some success as a glider pioneer. He studied bird wing structures and tried to apply that to his practical real-world flying inventions.
0: Some of his gliders were made of willow rods and cotton, and he'd shift his weight to control the apparatus
1: at around 80 feet in the air. Hmm. Ultimately, he built about 18 models of glider and took more than 2,000 flights before the flight that ended his life.
0: Yeah, August 1896, Otto's glider stalled mid-flight and he fell about 50 feet, landing and breaking his neck, but he didn't die until
1: about 36 hours later. Woof. Yeah, that's 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 like gruesome. The worst part. His tombstone has sacrifices must be made inscribed on it, which were allegedly his last words, though some historians disagree.
0: Like Otto, Austrian-born French denizen Franz Reinschelt was a man with a singular goal, to create an aerodynamic suit. But before we get into that, a word from our
1: sponsors. (laughs) Jess, our futures are so bright, we gotta wear shades. (laughs) Oh, 100%. That big ball of gas in the sky, uh, the sun Mm -hmm. is never going away. So,
0: I mean, we need our sunnies from shady rays all the time.
1: Yes. And like, I love being outside. I'm always trying to be outside, whether it is uh cloudy and the the whiteness of the sky is stark and blinding or it's super sunny out. I'm always wearing sunglasses and I love my Shady Rays for all the active stuff I do. They have premium polarized shades at an affordable price. Jess and I are huge fans.
0: Oh, yeah. Like huge fans of Shady mm-hmm. Rays. I'm going to be honest. I was with a competitor before them. And then I tried especially their No Tangle sunglasses because I'm thinking you probably know the competitor I'm talking about. but My hair always got tangled in all the other sunglasses, but the Shady Rays No Tangle, they look good, they feel
1: good, and I can pop them in my hair with no tangle, and it is the best feeling in the world. Yep. The Oakmont. I mean, all of their styles are great. I think you and I both have pairs of the Oakmont, which are so cute, and that you can dress them up, dress them down. Yeah. Um, They're so sleek looking. We also both have the Cypress. We do, yes. In Sandstone, which is gorgeous and unique.
0: Yeah. I mean, that song, I wear my sunglasses at night. I wear them at night too. (laughs) I do. But I mean, yeah, they're an independent sunglass company that offers sunglasses that are like every bit as quality as any expensive pair I've Mm -hmm. worn. And
1: they're durable. Like I said, I do all kinds of activities. I hike in them. I swim when I wear them. I do everything and they are still super clear. They hold up. And if they don't, which... I'm going to say, like, if you break a pair, that's on you um, because it's not on the glasses. But they have a replacement plan, right, Jess? They do. And it's freaking wild, their protection plan. Their sunglasses are
0: backed by lost and broken replacements. So if you lose or you break a pair, if you sit on
1: them, whatever it is you're doing, even on day one, they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. It's wild. Uh, Plus something that we really appreciate and like, Every purchase supports the Shady Race Impact Program, which works directly with nonprofits and their communities to make adventure accessible for all walks of life. Yes. So a great company with a great product doing something really cool for the community. Love to see that. 100%. Mm-hmm.
0: So, and exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out
1: their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code 30MM for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses.
0: Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people.
1: the turn of the 20th century, Franz earned notoriety as the flying tailor. He designed a specialty fabric parachute suit that, in theory, would allow its wearer to wear that suit as normal when folded in. Then, when unfolded, the wearer would extend their arms as if they had wings.
0: Kind of interesting. It looked, uh, like a, yeah, yeah, like a hooded cloak, and, but it, you know, weighed, weighed about 20 pounds. That's a lot. And
1: a giant flying squirrel. Yeah. He told Le Petit Journal, My new invention is like nothing else. It's constructed basically half in waterproof fabric and half in silk. Thanks to a system of rods and belts that one can control, the parachute deploys during a fall and will save a pilot's life. Franz ran all
0: kinds of tests involving dummies, hurling them from windows to his Paris apartment, and never with any of the dummies had it worked.
1: So he concluded that maybe the problem wasn't with the suit, but with the height at which it was being deployed. In other words, he needed to get higher. No, you didn't, Franz. No, you didn't. No.
0: (sighs) Yeah. Franz got permission to perform a test from the top deck of the Eiffel Tower. Now, there are conflicting reports here because the police claimed that as far as they knew, Franz was planning to do a test with a dummy. But Franz had other
1: ideas. On February 14th, 1912, Franz climbed to the tower's first platform, and his friends were there, and they all tried to convince him not to do it, to stop him. But he was so confident and insistent, so he went, and he took a flying leap, and his parachute did not open. Instead, it sort of started to fold and gather around him.
0: While it would appear that maybe Franz died on impact due to the grisly injuries he sustained, including a broken spine and neck... There's some speculation that he died of a heart attack during the fall. And
1: these are all older examples of people attempting to fly because obviously we got there. We made airplanes and didn't fly. But then a more recent disaster involves a Ford Pinto... (laughs) A car that already has a bad reputation for bursting into flames when it gets rear-ended. Oh, yeah. This particular Ford was
0: combined with the rear of a Cessna to make a prototype flying car
1: called the AVE (laughs) Mazar. Aerospace engineers Henry Smolinski and Harold Hal Blake developed the design with the hopes and dreams of taking an affordable flying car to market that could go 1,100 miles without refueling. So you would like take the car to an airport and then take off there. And then once in the air, you'd be fine, I guess. And then you'd have to go yeah. land at a landing pad. That's interesting.
0: It's unclear if the Mazar ever really flew. Photos of it midair are speculated to be scale model replicas.
1: Yeah, no, no one really knows mm, for sure. Mm-hmm. But on September 11th, 1973, Smolinsky and Blake did a test flight to test a new engine they put into their model They were in the air for two minutes before the wings buckled and the Pinto apparently separated from the airframe, causing it to crash into a tree or truck. That bit is a little unclear. The men were killed and so was the notion of the flying car appearing in The
0: Man with the Golden Gun, the James Bond film it reportedly was supposed to be in.
1: Yeah, people really thought this car was going to be a thing, so much so that the rumor is they were going to put it in a movie.
0: Yeah, we're still waiting on it. I mean, we mm-hmm. have there's some things we have those like puddle jumpers,
1: but that's more of like an airplane thing. But anyway, Jess, we've been too much in the air here. We got <laughs> we got to bring we got to ground this podcast. <laughs> OK, I'm going to bring it back down to earth. So one final story to do that. The Tragic Death of William Bullock, the man who invented the rotary printing press. And this is the printing press you see in movies that has a roll of paper running through it and can print newspapers at high speeds. Mm -hmm. There's always a close-up in a movie where you need to see a headline and it's just papers rifling through this press. On April 3rd, 1867, Bullock was dealing with a press that had a broken drive belt. In frustration, or maybe thinking it would work, he kicked it, which was incredibly dangerous to do. And it caused his leg to get caught and pulled into the machine and crushed. <laughs> like, why would you? Yeah. Yeah. Awful. Um, it is awful. I don't think he, like, he thought it was like a seemingly innocuous, like, ah, just kick you it. Just kick and it. Then, yeah. No. um, yeah. yeah.
0: After a few days, his leg turned gangrenous. And then during an operation to amputate the leg, he died. But the most morbid part his obituary and the news of his death were probably printed by the very thing that killed him.
1: Yeah. It, so, like, yeah. so it's not even that he invented it, it kills him, but probably the news is then it's the put out. The funny, well, it's not funny. It's just the ironic thing is that he just like
0: kicked it. Yeah. Like it wasn't like a, he himself no. decided to lay on the machine to see if it would print on skin or something. It's just like a no. kick.
1: <laughs> and he wasn't doing something of grandeur like jumping off the Eiffel Tower. yeah. He was, I'm printing newspapers. Yeah. Honorable mention of this episode goes to Jimmy Heselton, who was a British entrepreneur who bought Segway Incorporated in 2009. Heselton technically doesn't qualify for this list since he didn't, like, invent the Segway itself,
0: but the story's still very tragic.
1: Yeah, in September of 2010, Jimmy was out on his Segway when, at the top of a hill, he encountered a dog walker. So he moved out of the way, backed up, to make room for the dog walker, but he ended up going over the edge of the cliff behind him, falling and dying from injuries sustained. The officers investigating
0: the case concluded that he died being courteous, which in the face of tragedy is a nice thing to be remembered for.
1: Yeah, I mean, it doesn't make it any better, but <laughs> true. Very true. Yeah. Yeah, and I think like that's the tragic part of a lot of these is is some people we we kind of don't really remember that as much. Mm-hmm. Like Marie Curie, I feel like she has this legacy that's going to live on and on. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But someone who, you know, made a, a squirrel suit, mm-hmm. a flying squirrel suit that didn't really manifest into anything. Yeah, We don't really hold them up on a pedestal no. as much for their efforts.
0: We don't hold them up on a pedestal, but I we've definitely learned from them for sure. Like we were talking about earlier. Learned what not to do and hopefully finding ways to just further their progression in some way. Again, like we have found flight, maybe not like a human, like me as a human being just by myself, just shooting myself up into space without Mm -hmm. a big tube of uh, aluminum and titanium and other things around me. But yeah, maybe we'll get there one
1: day. (laughs) Well, and there's something to be said for somebody that is so committed and dedicated and confident that they're like, they're essentially willing to risk their life.
0: They really are. And And it's really... You know, I feel like these inventors and scientists and all these people that kind of have like a spark of madness to them that do these incredible things or at least are willing to try and go all in like Einstein and Nostradamus, like all of these people Mm -hmm. are. Take the risk. They absolutely take the risk. And sometimes it works out
1: and they find incredible things and other times not so much. But it's not inventing, but it's I think it's akin to it is also being just so passionate about something Mm -hmm. And I, I would say Steve Irwin is like mm-hmm. the prime example of like that was somebody who committed his whole life yep. to this this passion of animals, mm-hmm. and that's what made his death all the more tragic too. I know,
0: I know, you know? and it sucks because I mean, like, and that like animals don't know any better, so none of this was in like malicious or in vain or anything. It's just, it just is what it, it just is what it is. Yeah. Some so. dishonorable
1: mentions of this episode, though. The founder of Match.com, Gary Kremen, he didn't die, but he did lose his girlfriend to a man that she met on <laughs> Match.com. Um, so you know, he invented. Yeah. Well, oh, the well Hey. And then, of course, who could forget Dr. Octopus Spider Man, too? Oh, my God. Elise he <laughs> destroys the, the <laughs> reactor, plummeting it into the river and hey. drowning himself. In the process. So. And then I
0: see some other notes here, Turkish spice, chicken and apricot pan sauce.
1: You know, that's what I had for dinner last night.
0: Okay. I love that. <laughs> I know it was for an ad read, but I just love that it's here.
1: I talked about it in, uh, in the ad read in the Hella previous fresh, episode, yeah. but I had to write it down here because there was no way that I'd be able to remember <laughs> what such an extravagant recipe would be. I mean,
0: Hey, it's it it delicious. delicious.
1: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> We're so. still talking about we it. We still
0: are talking about it. Well, I would, if you had to invite, event
1: something, what would you want to invent? I would want to invite, invent something that would mean I'd never have to sleep again. Like wow, some, some pill or something. So
0: mine is, I guess mine is somewhat similar. This is just the first thing that came to my brain is just taking a pill for food. As much as I enjoy food, like food is delicious, but because I'm on a weight loss journey right now. So there are times where I'm like, let me just take a pill and
1: I'm full and I don't even think about food. I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's why with HelloFresh, you don't have to think about it, Jess. <laughs> <laughs> they sent you all the ingredients. I don't know if they're it. a sponsor of this episode, but they're a friend of the podcast. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, yeah. I don't know. There's so many no, things I'd I, love to invent. Yeah. I know what you mean. It's just time is such a valuable resource. So how do we invent something? I And I think a lot of these inventions are that the printing press, mm-hmm. the flying car. It's how do we maximize the this valuable resource that is time
0: yeah i mean teleportation would be incredible oh yes uh, that's yeah god as far but as then, time goes yeah.
1: just turn into the fly
0: yeah oh
1: that would be the that would be the fallout of that
0: man you're right
1: As we all know that's the, that's the only um, possible accident that can occur god uh failed teleportation device has become the fly damn it i don't
0: know either way I just, if I am inventing something, I don't want to die by it. That's not how I want to go
1: out. So, um, yeah. Well, Jess, we did invent this
0: podcast. That is true. God, that is true. So how would we, go- it was, it's, us, it's us killing each other we would somehow out each other or, in some way. Or
1: dying under the weight of popularity. That, yeah, that'll
0: be <laughs> it. Gonna happen. Yeah. God, no. I wish, though, and speaking of that, you should share this podcast with your friends if you enjoy it. Yes.
1: Yes, please <laughs> and, do. And, you know, find Follow us on social us on media. Social media. We'll, buy our merch. Yeah, buy our merch and, you know, listen more, but keep listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening, yes. And, and check out our friends at Red Web. They're pretty cool, too. Yeah, they are. And we'll be back next week with another episode. Bye-bye, Elise. Bye-bye until then, Jessica.